to LA and I, I was about six years into my comedy career and uh, uh, got a cancer diagnosis and, and it was stage four cancer and they give me a worst case scenario of five years to live at that point. This is 2004. Wow. And uh, so obviously uh, very shocking and uh, turned my life upside down for a little bit. And then um, I had asked myself, uh, you know, obviously, listen, I'm talking to you. So I've, I've lived past this worst case scenario diagnosis, but I didn't know that then. I, I had to really ask myself if I only had five years to live, what did I want to accomplish during that period? So uh, one of the things was I had always wanted to, you know, I got into comedy to perform on the David Letterman show. And uh, I think uh, as, as Michael attests to a lot of times, in comedy, you just you just focus on the comedy part of it and yeah. hope the other things come to you, kind of thing. Like, oh, someone will notice me. Like, even even in San Francisco, it was get good at comedy, and eventually the clubs will notice you and invite you to be there. Um, but I kind of, if I only had five years, I had to turn that on its head and kind of yeah. pursue it rather than wait for it to come to me anymore. And so uh, I started up at that time. It was a project just called Dying to Do Letterman. Mm -hmm. And uh, I had a website uh, with that where people could see my comedy. And when I performed at clubs, um, I asked people, if, hey, if you think I'm good enough, I'm trying to get on Letterman, drop him a thing. And said, you know, I was trying to get attention so that they would look at me. And um, uh, eventually a couple of filmmakers uh, heard about my project and uh, decided to make a documentary and follow the journey of it. So I had given myself a year to get on Letterman. And that's basically the basis of the documentary. But, yeah, it's on Amazon. It, um it won a bunch of awards at film festivals across the country or in Oscar consideration. And uh, um, it's got a bunch of famous comedians who were on David Letterman, Ray Romano, Brian Regan, um, Kevin Nealon, mm -hmm. uh, Larry Bubbles Brown of San Francisco right. legend. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's got a, a little something for everyone. It's kind of like, uh, you know, it's you say cancer and documentary. I say I'm I'm busy. <laughs> um, so it's it's not that kind of kind of film it's 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 much more uh lighthearted uh and about me you know going to achieve this goal and and what what it would take to get there so um yeah and i i don't mind like i you know if it was my own film i'd feel weird bragging about it but it's a i'm not kidding when i say it's a really good film i haven't met anyone who watched it and did not enjoy it and uh, they're not just being nice i know the people who would just be nice and stuff uh, I don't, I'm not bragging about myself, the filmmakers who may, it's like when you read a book sometimes mm -hmm. and then they make it a movie and people are always like, oh yeah, they didn't, they didn't do a good job changing it. Like it's my story. I'm not bragging about my story, but the movie itself is a very good movie. They told the story very well. Very good. We, we should mention a second spoiler. You actually did get on Letterman. I did. Yes. Yes. Spoiler alert. It, it, it has a happy ending to it. Not only me still being alive uh, this many years later, but also. <laughs> you also got Letterman. But I, Steve, I, I was watching you when that happened. He gave like probably very curt, like it was professional. He gave, yeah. gave you enough space for you to perform. He didn't undercut anything, but no oxygen whatsoever in that introduction. He didn't, you know, he didn't tip his hat about your, your thing, but he no. didn't really give you much. And you killed it. I have to tell you, like, it was a set. And I've really seen, like, people uh, who have that opportunity nail it. And you did. And especially it was vindication from that intro. Like, he, yeah. he I don't know. How did you feel about that intro? I don't know if it's brought up in the documentary. No, no, no. He's, yeah. So there's no, in the in the intro, there's no, uh, and you can see it. It's on, it's on even just that without seeing the documentary. You can see in the documentary we show, because we couldn't, we could, you, you couldn't get rights to the full thing. We couldn't show my whole set. 
but you could show one minute legally under documentary fair use stuff. So uh, in the movie itself, it's chopped up a little. You see you know, portions of my performance uh, mixed with me practicing it, how many times I practiced it before going on. But on YouTube, you can just see through Letterman and their company, you can see the whole my whole set on Letterman and his whole introduction that you're talking about. Um, he uh, he never mentions the, the, the project. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know that Letterman himself knew about the project uh obviously uh -huh. the booker the booker of the show did but letterman at that point was so far removed this isn't this isn't too far after the the kind of letterman scandal with the intern that he was sleeping with yeah mm -hmm. again within five years or six years letterman was off the air because he was kind of you know at the end of his rope a little bit i knew people who wrote for him at that point who had never met him he was he's you know he's not a wasn't a hands-on guy like that so i don't know that he knew the whole story uh before it happened like i said if there if there was what if it was leno or anyone else they would know the story before it happened but leno would be the one guy who or letterman would be the one guy who wouldn't yeah know but anyways yeah. so he has a, a very funny intro that he gives me about i'm playing wise guys he'd be you know they'll usually plug a club you can catch this guy at you know the gotham or the punchline and and he he has a i'm working wise guys which was the first one of the, my favorite clubs because it was the first club to really you know give me notice and, and headline me and stuff and so that's what I used as the as the plug, um, and then he so he makes a couple jokes about that, and then as you say, Mike, he goes right into the introduction and say, "Please welcome." He's making his you know first appearance on the show, uh, Steve Mazon. Um, but no, yeah, no mention, and no one in the audience either. The, the the before the show, the warm up guy doesn't mention any of that stuff. No one in the audience knew what it took at that point for me to get there that night. Yeah, that's great. I mean, that that's for the better. I mean, I, yeah, hundred percent. It made me feel, yeah, like I did it just as a comedian. Right, um, you're just yeah, doing your point, Yeah, yeah. At that point, um, I'm still in the thick of it. That's 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 five years. It almost took the whole five years of that diagnosis to 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 make that dream happen. But uh, you know, now that I'm here, you know, this this far later, I was like, oh, maybe. Why, what if I would have done it differently? Of course, I mean, this is hindsight. I didn't know at, th at that point. I'm I'm pulling out everything I can, even to just get noticed by them, so that they would look at me in the first place. Let alone get on the show. So um, yeah, would it yeah. have been different, right? Yeah. And uh, we should mention there's a book too, right? See. Yes. Yes. So the people who do the Chicken Soup for the Soul series, um, uh, you know, uh, in the buzz about the whole project, and then the the documentary. Um, made it made a book version of it uh and it's written by written by me so that's the the one actually full-length book i've i've written so uh cool. yeah so uh same title dying to do letterman and again it's on amazon i'll give you your money back if you don't like it watch it and if you don't like it i will say and you have to watch all the way to the end that's the way amazon yes, 100 yes you must watch, watch all the credits <laughs> it's just not fair that they do that Okay, so we're going to watch this movie now. It's Robert Downey Sr. It is Pound 1970. Uh, we like this Javier channel. Uh, why don't you, Steve, count us down, and we'll all press play at the same time. Okay, you so now ready, just to, you this, ready to press play, too. Don't forget yourself. Yeah. Right. And so we're going to go on uh, three, two, one, press. That's how we're going to do it, okay? Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. Three, two, one. Press. Right, away we go. This is off the MGM uh, channel. You can tell mm -hmm. there's a little logo up there. Right. <laughs> Someone videotaped it. I now, love this that. film was almost lost forever, uh, but the cameraman's ex-wife 
happened to have a 35 millimeter print in her closet. It what? was, huh? yeah, that's, they thought it was lost forever. It was so damaged that it couldn't be put into a projector. It had to be digitally scanned and they brought it back to life. And now it's filling up time on the MGM network. That's amazing. Right. No, yeah, I've never even heard of this movie until you guys mentioned it. It's crazy. You never yeah. heard of Pound? Okay. No. Well, this is heard? the first appearance of Robert Downey Jr. ever. Really? Wasn't he younger in another movie? Research? Nope. This, this is his debut, and he has a speaking part, too. Unless he was an infant or something, but the internet claims that this was his debut. Wasn't he a baby in Greaser's Palace, remember? Or the boy... No, he was older in Greaser's Palace. Let me just take a look here. Uh, Greaser's Palace was 72. Okay, this is 70. And he didn't talk in Greaser's Palace, as you remember. Now, here we already have our Stan Lee cameo. Stan Lee as in Stan Lee? Stan Lee. Well, this is a Robert Downey Jr. film, so Stan Lee will He's make come an in. appearance. He's calling okay. to Rodney, his missing dog. He's lost his dog. Steve, are you familiar with the work of Robert Downey Sr.? I'm not really. In fact, yeah. What, um, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting. Obviously, none of these, these characters yet are Robert Downey Sr., right? No, he won't appear himself. Have you heard of, uh, of uh, Putney Swope? No. Okay, that's his big claim to fame, Putney okay. Swope. Yeah. That's a good one. It's about like a radical ad executive who uh, combines, you know, uh, revolution chic for advertising. And it's a it's a sharp parody. He's also famous for Mad Magazine presents Up the Academy, which Mad Magazine. Oh, yes, yes. Okay. Yeah, he yeah. That. I've seen that for sure. Uh, Hugo Poole, I think he passed away. He's the avant-garde New York City uh, director and also known to be the father of Robert Downey Sr. Uh, junior and uh we like his films they're not they're not very good but you know they're, they're not very good okay now you can see that a couple was just shot on the street and they were shot by the honky killer well he had good aim because he he shot a couple honkies yeah <laughs> yeah that's my bumper sticker how could you if you're the honky killer <laughs> So is this like cable in Israel? I don't know the answer. It's just, it, it seems like the subtitles are not part of the original film, right? I, of course it's not, but I mean the original channel. If you look at the MGM logo, right. it really looks like these Hebrew characters are superimposed, right? And no, I'm, I'm putting money down. This is an Israeli MGM cable network. So thank you uh, for uh, uploading this onto YouTube. Now you see the woman in the chair there. She is the wife of uh, the serial killer, the honky killer. And she, the reason I bring it up is, you remember in Greaser's Palace, we saw Alan Arbus. Yes. Who, who Steve, you might know as the doctor on MASH. Uh, she was married to him. So I oh. guess was in the circle of people who knew Robert Downey Sr. We, we've seen uh, Rented Lips and uh, Greaser's Palace. Are any of those actors in this movie, Carl? Did you notice any yeah, cases? Yeah, it, most of them are, oh, uh, and no, maybe not. 
It's Putney Swope, I was about to say. Most of these Chafed Elbows, Putney Swope, Greaser's Palace, and Pound, you're going to find the same actors, and I'll point them out as we go. Yeah, I knew he was a, I knew he was an actor, but yeah, I wasn't familiar that, uh, again, even that I had seen some of his work unknowingly. Now, he's got 20 acting credits and only 18 director credits. Does that make him more of an actor? I'm not sure. Yeah, equal at least, right? Yeah. And what was that film we saw? Um, it Mentally was, lit. no, but the one with uh, Michael Michael Hall. Uh, oh, is it, oh, Hell Caesar? Yeah, Hell Caesar. He was in that. Remember, he was the butler? Yeah, so Hail Caesar, we recommend, is a, is a rock band called Hail Caesar, and it's Michael Anthony Hall's band. We and don't recommend it. It's shot in 1994, and Samuel L. Jackson shows up in a scene. Uh, he has the same sideburns he had in Pulp Fiction, but he's not wearing that Jerry cur uh, curled wig. Oh, really? Yeah, so he must have just went across the set and shot this scene and went back. <laughs> but Robert Downey Sr. and Jr. show up because they're friends with Michael Anthony Hall. Now, Mike, you see they're all dogs, right? Yeah. The oh, director will make them all switch to humans. Is she going to bend over again? Uh, yeah, well, she will be doing stuff like that. See how yep. they've now become humans. Whoa. Well, I knew that because that dog was wearing glasses beforehand. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And he had the same mustache. So this is like New York theater, off-Broadway, off-off-Broadway. Uh, yeah, and it's off-off-all. Oh, Walt Disney uh, font. Now this uh, guy, <laughs> he's terrible, man. Um, quick, they, find the comedian. Name the comedian in the room. What comedian got a role in this movie? I don't think. I think this guy, Uncle Fester. Oh, Uncle Fester. His is name Fester, is Lawrence Wolf, and he's um, he's Robert Downey Sr.'s favorite actor. Hey, was that the comic in the background right there? There's no comic. <laughs> oh, is it? Who's the comedian that does the boxer routine? I like that guy. I know he's in... Connor Kellica? Uh He was in Brain Donors. He was... Uh... Oh... I'll, I'll, when I remember 20 minutes later, I'll let you know. You have yeah, right. Brain Donors, the one we saw with, uh, or did we see Brain Dead? We saw Brain Dead. Brain yeah. Donors was like a, a Marx Brothers parody, like Marx Brothers type film where there was a smart talking guy and a guy pretending he was Italian and then a mute. Now, this guy talking right now, he, he wants to, he knows they're all going to get killed, you know, because that's what happens to stray dogs in the pound. So he wants to kill the um, uh, the the keeper when she comes to the door. Now he was in Greaser's Palace. That's Don Calf Don Calfa Calfa. Oh, so this is like existentialist. We're gonna watch him die. Does you know? I I Carl. I did some research on my own. Uh huh. I went to DoesTheDogDie.com. <laughs> that won't apply. <laughs> It's listed, but no, there's no nobody responded. Oh, it, 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 the the website itself doesn't do the research. Did the dog die? You have to crowd surf it. You go, yes, the uh -huh. dog died. Yes, it was uh, <laughs> gaslighting. Yes, uh, there was. Now, you saw um, Weekend at Bernie's, and there was the hitman who was always screwing up. That's him. Oh, God bless you! Wow, this yeah. is good. Great eye.
I could check oh, that out. The IMDB toll. <laughs> you look at other, you do more research than just IMDB, IMDB and Wiki. Yeah, that's you, right. You that's right. deep stuff. Yeah, it's just that with Don Kalfa, uh, you only have to go as deep as IMDB for them to give you the bio. Because he's really weekend at Bernie. Now, look, look at, you see him look grabbing at, on her boobs, oh, right? That's, yeah. That's um, Robert Downey Sr.'s wife. That is the mother of Robert Downey Jr. Oh, wow. Wow. And he's getting felt up. So this is a dramatization of the conception of... Oh, here goes another dog. Yeah, what? this guy's shtick is... He's like, I could have been a writer, but I never had a pencil. I don't know. This is kind of dumb, this whole thing. We we could listen to. It. I mean, we our show. We don't really, other than Hebrew subtitles. There's no subtitles, so uh, if it's a lot of audio stuff, we kind of miss it. But yeah, it seems like wants doing their own actory thing. Yeah, this guy's physical. Yeah, this guy is like his whole character is. I am Jewish. I I don't like characters like that. The one trick pony. Now, he was on Pacifica radio stations, WBAI especially, yeah. um, and he was on a PBS show called The Great American Dream Machine, which was Chevy Chevy Chase's showcase. His name's Marshall American Efron. Dream Machine on PBS? Yeah. Yes. Jeez, that's a deep dive. All right, I'll have to check yeah. it out. This guy was in Putney Swope. Now, Mike, even though we didn't see Putney Swope, you've seen it, right? I have seen it. It's, I I like that movie a lot. I think it's strange that the director dubbed over the main actor and used his goofy voice, but you know, it's yeah. part of the, the weird, weird choice. I like that film, and I chased the dragon. I saw Mad Magazine presents up the Academy in the theater. I told you this. Boris's mom took me. Boris and I. Yeah. Boris Colba, you know him, Steve. You know Boris Colba. Yeah. Shout out to Boris, but. There's a scene where the uh, general is getting ready to and for a party, and he has condoms, and he's talking to his dog, like Beetle Bailey, Otto. So he uh -huh. has this, like Otto dog, and he throws the dog a condom, and the dog starts chewing it. And I just remember how mortified Boris's mom was. <laughs> <laughs> she invited. The, she had two twelve-year-olds come and watch this movie. Mad Magazine fanatics, right? This is Mad Magazine. How can you go wrong? Right. Yeah. I still look for that movie. I can't find it. I remember it was all it was all over cable when we first got cable. Wow. Now I can't remember the I can still even remember the artwork, wasn't it? it? Was it was like, you know, a statue outside of the the college hall, but it was Alfred E. Newman, of course, Let right? Me worry. Yeah, and there's like pigeon droppings on his right. top of his yeah. 19. Well they cut all that out. They um intro they they took out the beginning and the end where, where uh, Alfred E. Newman is walking. I, I saw a different film. It might have been a film we watched, Carl, where there was an Alfred E. Newman uh, person walking around dressed up as Alfred E. Newman. I did not catch that, so I don't think we saw it together. All right. Now, this actor here, I really like him. He didn't really go on to do anything. His name is George Morgan. He was in Greaser's Palace in Putney Swope. That's it. He was also in something called... No, he wasn't. No, that's it. That's it? He, I think he's really good. Now, he's asking this woman, are you scared to die? And yeah. what's weird and creepy is you will go on to die in 1971. Oh, wow. Oh, one year after this. 
Yes, but it could even be months away, depending on when it was shot. Are you saying that that actress danced on his grave after that scene when he died? That's horrifying. <laughs> Her name's Louise Lucille Rogers. Uh, she was in Pound. Uh, she was in The Goldbergs, which is a TV show, but it was 1940. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a, a woman uh, named, I forgot her name, but it was a uh, Jewish sitcom, revolutionized television. To have and, uh, Jews on television? Is that the, was that the revolutionary yeah. part? Yeah, that's the revolutionary part. There were Jews on TV before. Oh, no TV for, for Jewish yeah. people. Um, it was that just, guy, he kind of looked like the guy who you said died. Uh, he he kind of looked like a David Caruso kind of. Yeah, he's got that on. So they're trying to escape? Well, the thing is, it won't lead anywhere. That's what this movie's going to do to us. It's going to have all these segments, and it never leads to places. It's also going to have deceptive segments in which you think the plot is changing, and then right. you find out, no, oh, it was all a dream. I, I, I hate that sort of thing. So wait a minute, we already have the honky killer. Yes. And then we have dogs that we know are going to die, so it doesn't really matter what they say. Kind of. Oh, okay, here we go, another upskirt. Now, I want to remind you that this is 1970, so yes, we will get an upskirt. Nice. Nice sticks, as they used to say. It'll be the boxer. His name's Stan Gottlieb. He was in Slaughterhouse-Five, but not as anything good. Well, I mean, have you seen Slaughterhouse-Five? There's nothing good there. It was a good book. It was a weird movie. It's it's okay. It's a flaw. I didn't, I didn't see the first four. <laughs> his my favorite credit for this boxer this stan gatlieb is a cold turkey man on operating table he was man <laughs> on operating table uncredited oh so have you seen cold turkey that's a great uh, movie yeah do you recommend yeah, it for my dvd queue if it's on tv watch it but i don't put it on the key it's, oh, it's okay. thank you michael thank you for being honest you... yeah it's he's a preacher and this Tobacco company decides to do a promotion where if this town could quit smoking for 30 days, uh, they'll they'll give money to the town. I know it. Yeah. That sounds familiar now that you explain it. I didn't. Yeah. The title I didn't. So maybe the doctor is jittery because he didn't have a smoke and he's on, he's there's a man on the operating table and he's like, whoa, you know. <laughs> okay. Now here comes a dog and it will be Robert Downey Jr. And when you see his face, you'll see him. It's him. Were those guys, uh, I couldn't tell. Were they smoking pot? Were they, or was that just normal? Well, they giggled throughout the whole thing. They were, they were in the front seat having a toke. Yeah. Okay. So this is pre, this is a uh, pre uh, Cheech and Chong. That's, you didn't get a lot of that. Yeah. This time. Hey, there he is. You can tell from his goatee, it's Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> <laughs> see his glowing chest, right? Is a... Now, if you'll turn the sound up, this guy is a hairless Mexican. That's what uh, we lay down in the southwest corner. He's going to say, The lights go out, the wind is blowing, but we're all hanging on to each other like one piece of fear. You can see his face in. Next morning, morning we go upstairs. There's no more furniture. The roof's gone, and so's my hair. That tornado scared me so much, it made my hair disappear. Have any hair on your bones? That's his big line. Take a look. You're the look at yourself, you're perfect. <laughs> Wait a minute, that's his, That's the father's line to his son? 
Yeah. No, this this guy was not a good father. You know that, Mike. <laughs> no, but he wasn't. Well, he he got his son high on pot. At what age, Mike? Oh, uh, I don't, are we talking about Robert Downey Sr.? Yeah. Gave yeah. joints often. I don't know often. I can't say that, but he definitely got Robert Downey Jr. high as a little boy, younger than eight. All I know is Honey Boy with Shia LaBeouf, and uh, his father got him high at 12. So that's all I really know. Come on, Mike. You do know. <laughs> Robert Downey Sr. was a skunk who got his kid high. It's true. Listen, nothing bad happened to his kid. Sure, he How went about the, Was the mom in on it? Obviously, they were pretty close at this point. Well, they got divorced. I have to look up when. Uh, but uh, the mom was in the picture, yes. Uh, yeah, she was getting they didn't up, right? get divorced until the eighties. So yes, okay. the mom was there. So we changed the storyline now, right? Now we have humans, or are these dogs at the airport? But, no, see, that's one of the things that bothers me about this film. These two are in the pound in the cell talking, and Robert Downey Sr. has taken us out of there and put them at uh, LaGuardia Airport for some reason. You can't smoke in the pound. You can smoke at the airport. Right. <laughs> smoke at the airport. This is going to be like lost, right? Like what's what's really happening? Yeah. Do they have, do they have to go back, Carl? They have to fly back to They're not. They never left. They're really there. And and also it, it's pointless. It's going to turn into like a they're going to make out to the point of having sex. It's just dumb. I don't know. This whole film is kind of dumb. It's parody and satire. It's something I call satire. Uh -huh. where they're showing the microcosm of human nature uh, through the, the behavior of, help me out, Steve, I'm lost. Yeah, no, 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 I was, I was, I, was, <laughs> I know the genre you're talking about, uh, but yeah, I can't describe it as well. But yeah, it's a, it's a whole uh, subgenre that uh, it's very popular, especially around this time. Ooh, finally, it earns its non-rating. Yeah. Who's, who's she, uh, Carl, do you have any- Her uh, name's uh, Carolyn Groves, and she really doesn't, have much to her credits but she was in six degrees of separation in 93 mm. huh. and what's interesting about her is in 61 she was in the show called way out way out was a was a like a macabre kind of thing it was a tv show hosted by roll Dahl, of all interesting people wow really yeah yeah she's beautiful that's what i would expect her to do. maybe yes yeah, seen her that's probably that's probably the one example of Jews not being on TV. It was Ron Dahl's television show. <laughs> it was in his contract. It's a cool name, Way Out. It makes me think of the Flintstones when they had that band called The Way Outs. Yeah. yeah. And um, she was on. She was in Dark Shadows in 1966, which was that like horror TV show. Right. Doesn't have much credits, but uh, you're right that she's very pretty, and. Um, I don't know. I just think Way Out was interesting. That was an interesting series. I get it. Was it an anthology? Was it like Hello, I'm Ron Dahl? I've, I've never seen it. It just, it, it purports itself to be macabre. And you can see when you, it's not in front of me right now, but when you saw the like ad for the TV show, it was something creepy and horror-esque. I think horror might have been her little uh, niche. But she definitely she definitely has the hair for somebody from Dark Shadows. Yeah. 
I caught that there's a uh, there's a antenna TV station that I pick up that uh, that every once in a while has some Dark Shadow episodes on, and yeah, it's kind of fun to. That's cool, Steve. You have rabbit ears. Rabbit ears? Yeah, still going. <laughs> like Dark Shadow shows up. You're watching Dark Shadow. Maybe, yeah. Maybe, maybe it's not being shown. Maybe I'm in a because I'm having have that antenna. Maybe it's, yeah. it's taking me back to when that antenna was popular. Do you have um, horizontal hold and vertical hold? And <laughs> <laughs> I got to switch when I put my Atari in. I got to switch TV or game. Yeah. The whole thing. How many seconds for the little light to disappear when you turn it off? <laughs> yeah, three or four. Now we're having like another, like he takes us somewhere else. They're they're all like at a meeting of like the workers' party now, and oh yeah, there's the they're fez. All dressed up weird. Yeah, the fez. You saw the fez. That's um, uh, Don Kalf. Kalfa again. <laughs> it's I his mustache. Again. Bernie's when I see his face. Yeah, he looks familiar. Was he on Barney Miller, Carl? No, no, that he wasn't. He doesn't have that look. Yeah, someone would be on there. Yeah. Oh, look at this. They're scabs. Proud scabs. Yeah, they're not. They've they've they, they like uh, like today with the N word. They they have taken the scab work back. They they don't. It's not derogatory. It's on their their flag there. Super cool athletic. Band. While they're doing a song, it's so seventy. His well sixties like experimental theater. Yeah. Oh. Now listen. Obviously, these people, uh, the Downies themselves, getting felt felt up and, and writing. Did he write this as well, or just? Yeah, just... he wrote it. Yeah. So obviously, listen, they're smoking pot along with their son, and uh, yeah. But it always cracks me up that then when it's portrayed on uh, in the movie, like it's two goofballs in the front seat, like going crazy, like Cheech and Chong. You know what I mean? <laughs> but but. You wrote this on that, like you. It had to be much more calm. You know what I mean? The the portrayal yeah. of 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 potheads. It's never just that's a cool the killer, show. by the way. Yeah. Oh. Coincidentally, he walked past. Oh. Okay. Oh, How many times have you seen this movie, Carl? I know you have to watch these films repeatedly. This is my fourth time. I'm sorry to report. So this guy was robbing the pound keeper, but she didn't have any money. So he's like, she goes, all I have is dogs. He goes, worth anything? So he's come here to steal Robert Downey Jr., who now has his second speaking line. They're all going to die, he says. Let's see if we can catch it. Oh, no, I guess we missed it. Now, the this is one of the only funny things about the film, because he came there to rob her. And she goes, that'll be $5. And she's like, say what? She goes, that'll be $5 for the pooch. Money she pays. doesn't it. have any money. <laughs> and he, then he pays her. And wait, and that's the killer, the honky killer behind No, him. no, no, no. That's just his criminal partner. Oh, his backup guy. Checking, checking for cops during this town robbery. Listen, I got a barking dog and no one letting him in, so I got to go let him in. Now, sure. if you listen to this, he, he 
Oh, well, it's too late, I guess. He just consents and gives her. Oh, here. Yeah, he's giving her now. He sees. Well, there we go. There's a joke. He's a. She's a very early Marsha Warfield for the the uh, yeah. from uh, Night Court. Night Court. Yeah, like, hey, I'm gonna get. Uh, this is how business is done here. Well, that's it for those guys. Dog thieves have left the movie. Good job, Wallace. Good job. Well, I want to thank the crew first and foremost. Pound I wonder away. if it ever was a suggestion that they would all be nude since, you know, the dogs are nude. You would figure this would be the, the appropriate uh, place for everyone to get naked, yeah. pretending to be dogs in the pound. Oh, boy, was my dog glad to see me. Now, these two are interesting, okay? The one on the right is famous for being a tap dancer, of all things. Hmm. The one on the left was in Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. He was in The Sting. He was in Policewoman TV series. Let me find this tap dancer story. It's interesting. Yeah, all these, guys, all these actors look so familiar. Yeah, their sideburns are familiar. <laughs> it's true. It looks like he gave up halfway through with that sideburn. You know, so one of, one of the things, Steve, I like about your show is that you ask for porn names for the yes. movies you're watching. So we're watching Pound, and I think I wrote, I got, I got a porn name. <laughs> is, it, is there any change? No, actually, did I tell you this one already? It's Pound. It is Pound. It is Pound. It's Pound. Pound. <laughs> Doggy style, that's probably a follow-up. Oh, that's a good one. I'm going to well, go with Peahound. Uh, Peahound? Yeah, there you go. Just add an, an H in there and see if that... Ah, uh, here it is. His name's Chuck Green, and he's playing the part of Mutt, and he's a tap dancer. When he was nine, he was brought to New York by a talent scout to study tan tap dancing. A famous talent agent, Nat Nazaro, signed Green up as a client when he was just 12 years old. He and his childhood friend, James Walker, teamed up and called themselves Shorty and Slim. Walker mm -hmm. was a talented comic dancer and would, would uh, they changed their name to this and that. They played New York's Palace Theater until 1944. They toured Europe, Australia, U.S., Radio City Music Hall, the Paramount, Apollo, Capitol Theater. Jobs were plentiful. Five stage shows a day, playing nightclubs until early morning and touring nonstop with big bands across the country and abroad. In 1944, due to Green's stress, the team broke up and Green was committed to a mental institution where he stayed for 15 years. Wow. Man. And now he's out and being in pound. What a Where's life. Where's he singing at him and he's not is this guy acting like Hitler, the guy with the Hitler mustache? Uh, he did do that bit. You saw it earlier when they were in their workers group. No, right now he's uh, saying, um, if you give me some iced tea, I will impregnate you and it will be the Messiah. It's stupid. It's stupid. The whole thing's stupid. Give it a listen if you want. Next time there's some two people talking to each other, turn it on. I guarantee you it's nonsense. All right, challenge accepted. I told you to take it easy, but when I seen you, it was restless. I didn't say nothing. Come on. Well, you took your purple heart down at a pawn shop. 
What yeah, we said something. At the time, I took my purple heart to the pawn shop. I'm like, how much can I get for this? Like, oh, I don't know. The war's not that popular, so a uh, uh, <laughs> dollar. And I'm like, wow, 1970s dollar. I took my purple yeah, heart. Let me just say, uh, my uh, my sync with your you turning up the sound is is dead on. <laughs> we'll hit play at the right time if 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 there's no other success to this then great countdown yes okay you now know we're uh, gonna see the honker honky killer gets another victim as these two innocent people who are doing it in public will get mm-hmm. shot. oh i thought she was dying oh, not the shot. i thought they were dogs we're we're now with two irrelevant actors they're not even credited in the film and they will be shot by the honky killer is that the honky killer? Yes. Man. Well, he's taking his time. He's okay, so porn. They're interviewing Robert Downey Sr., right? And he says, who's the best actor you ever worked for, worked with? He goes, there's this bald-headed guy in a lot of my films called Larry Wolf. He's the best. I didn't have to say much to them. He says, much to him, he says, I got it. And then goes and does something else. He's great. <laughs> Crazy. Well, they're in sync. Uh, Look at that. Just got him right and go. After midnight, we gonna let it all hang out. Hey, you guys ever get shot while having sex? It is such a fucking rush. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you, if you liked getting choked, you'll love getting. You'll love getting shot. How do we amp this up? It's a uh, puts the omega in orgasm. <laughs> Now, you had said that many of the actors look familiar, and they should. This yeah. is another one. You can see he's in the real world right now, so he's a greyhound. Uh, but I won't tell you who he is until you see his face. Maybe you'll know. How old are you, Steve? Yeah, 50. So Okay, this is- you might. Yes. This guy's just a tiny bit before your time, though. But yeah, I was, uh, you know, but my dad was one of those that would, yeah, would take me to everything. We'd watch old stuff. So, okay. So I'm usually pretty good about even the decade or so before me. Yeah. Okay, good. Now, this was a TV show, though. So, okay. No, sure. It wasn't like Tri State Area commercial for like Levitz or some shit like that. <laughs> right. Yeah. Me and Mike have in common all the Tri State Area commercials. Yeah, uh, all the you Broadway know. shows, like Pathmark right. Guy, we've seen them all. Crazy the Pathmark and Guy. Carvel. Right, Fudgy the Whale. Fudgy the Whale. Poor poor West Coast guys don't have that experience. No, there's not really, yeah, it doesn't get as local out here. In Chicago, where I grew up, we had, we had of course, oh. like the Empire Carpets and all that kind of nice. stuff. Okay, yeah, yeah. So Chicago is where you hail from originally. Okay. Yeah, that's the that's the hometown. Was there like a Broadway in Chicago? Like, would you see ads for like a Vita and shit like that? Yes, exactly. Yep. Yeah, yeah. There was kind of a yeah downtown theater district, and in fact, that's one of the one of the commercials I always remembered was the Avita one because that was so popular. Oh, buddy, don't cry for me. Just... Yeah, yeah. Mike, didn't we just do a movie and the singer of Evita was in it? Uh, the original singer. Wait, are you talking about Evita? Evita. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We just saw it. Maybe it was last week. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Last week was a Clash movie. Right, last week was the Clash, so it was the week ahead of that, which isn't in front of me right now. Wow, we don't have any backup episodes, Carl. 
Uh, no, <laughs> we do not. <laughs> we are recording. Uh, All right. We are in trouble. Hey, June 27th, rock and roll. Give it up. <laughs> uh, let's see. We are good until, yeah, June 27. Yeah. Yeah. That's Man, uh, last during, week. During lockdown, we recorded like six a week. Yeah, I'll bet. Then, yeah, it kind of it could expand and, yeah. Yeah. Backlog them all. Well, it was good because, you know, we our lives go different directions and there's some times where we can't do it. So we had a backlog. Now, this is a penguin. This guy is in his tuxedo. He's not a dog. He's a penguin. But we don't know that yet. Is that right or no? No, he's talking about it right oh, now. Saying, okay, just, yeah, through him talking. He's kind of a Klaus Kinski and... Uh, well, he's in the band. Yeah. John Malkovich angle mixed together. The gay dogs. Oh, man, are they going to gas them yet or what? Are they going to inject them? How do they kill these dog puppies? Yes, it's gas. Oh, my God. So you got a Hitler guy, Hitler impression, and then okay. they gas the, the ensemble at the end. Now, do you recognize that nose? You recognize that face? Yeah, it's the Levitz guy from Chicago. <laughs> That's right. No, it's oh. Huggy Bear. It's Huggy Bear. Yeah, it's Bear. Huggy Bear from Starsky and Hutch, of course, right? I, exactly. He was in Sw- uh, Swoop, right, Putney? Uh, good question. Good yeah, question. Snoop played it in the movie. It was Snoop, yeah. Well, I mean, I think you're saying Putney Swope, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I see, yes. Listen, I want to criticize the Starsky and Hutch movie very much. It had nothing to do with the TV show. In the TV show, Huggy Bear was not a pimp. Not at all. He was an alcoholic, heroin addict bum who was their informant. He was not a pimp. If Snoop Dogg had five minutes to watch a little YouTube clip, he would have seen. Mm. Wait. So wait a minute. He he didn't in the TV show Huggy Bear didn't have an iguana and smoke pot like the <laughs> movie version with Snoop Dogg. That's right. Now he was in a lot of black exploitation movies. We we covered Huggy Bear. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he was in Guess what? He is Arabic. He is not African American by the okay, way. The, the the profile sure kind of looks looks that way, right? Like he does, yeah. Antonio Fargus is his name. And he was in Putney Swope. Fargus. Cool. Got Related it. to the Fargus from the Fargus incident in a Christmas story? Probably not. Probably not. Probably not. But like good brain. He was, was in the, car wash. He was in car wash. Yes, yes. What was the half budget on this this movie? Oh, it's out of control. Yeah. Big, it's the reason why uh, you uh, MGM merged with UA after because of the budget. <laughs> they were so. Now you see why they're how they're on a train. Yeah. Now yeah. they're back in the cell. It's just he does that all the time. It drives me crazy, and I cannot find out budget and and. Um, uh, not only can I not find out budget, but Robbie Down- Robert Downey's not talking. This guy is not a smart businessman. Now, look, okay, I want to say positively about Robert Downey Sr. He was in the Army. He played minor league baseball, and he was a Golden Gloves champion. And oh, wow. Off, off Broadway playwright all before he was 22 years old. But he peaked, okay? Yeah. 
He plateaued. Was he one of those guys who were like, ah, no one wants to produce my movie? He well, he. I don't know. He he made a play called the Cup Come Cup Come Uppins, and that's what this is based upon. He would do stuff like that, like he would do it at a movie theater at midnight. He would do a play, like he was that kind of a. I mean, he's might as well have been doing fish burgers. He was, yeah, that kind of a east lower east side hippie, you know, pot smoking New York. Let's make a movie kind of guy. But um, when he started to have success, he didn't follow it through. Uh, let me try to find it here. You mentioned New York, Carl. Do you recognize any of these locations, like the outside and stuff? Yeah, well, outside of the pound uh, looks to be. Um, I'm not. As you know, it's our stomping grounds, having lived there and everything. It looks familiar. I'm not sure what street it is, quite frankly, but yes, it looks familiar. Yeah, full disclosure, I did not live there, but I took the bus from New Jersey over the bridge <laughs> to the tunnel. You never lived in Manhattan. Adam did. Adam lived in Alphabet City. Yeah, my brother. Yeah. There, yeah. Okay, Putney Swope. Okay, after Putney Swope, right, Hollywood came calling. I got offered a couple of things. A big film with Raquel Welch, which made no sense. Shot in California. I can't remember the title. It was a famous Gore Vidal book. And then the direct the interviewer goes, Maya Breckenridge? And he goes, yes, that's it. They were going to get that rid of that director. I said, I haven't read the book. They said, you don't need to. I thought, wait a minute. I don't need to do this. It's going to be a nightmare. Have you seen that movie, Maya Breckenridge? It's an atrocious movie, apparently. It's terrifying. And that's another movie that's on the MGM Network. The MGM Network has that, the Casino Royale from the 60s. This movie, just terrible films that hold up. The payday. Listen, if you were offered the chance to direct a Hollywood film to get taken out to California to get that money, it's just a stepping stone to direct your own stuff. He would have never had a career if he did Myra Breckenridge. That movie was horrifyingly bad. And All right, well, how about this? He was offered another one with Bill Cosby as an ambulance driver. Harvey Keitel is in it. It was called Mother Jugs and Speed. Yeah, that's yeah. a good movie. Anyway, Hollywood came knocking, and he said, nah, he I'm just, just going to drink. not answering I, the door. Yeah. Nah, he didn't get the door. Well, I mean, he's, uh, yeah, if he were right, could could the could what he what he knew about Maya Breckenridge have been worse than this? Like, like wouldn't you wouldn't he have, wouldn't some someone this avant garde been like, well, I can I could do something with it, or I can do something with it if he was a creative individual. Yeah, you so, should see the movie. You guys should see the movie if you can. I mean, you can't sit through more than ten minutes of it. Yeah, but if you do. It it is it's purportedly avant-garde. The guy tries super hard to superimpose like Andy Warhol paintings of Marilyn Monroe and uh, old film clips, and it's basically Rex Reed trans trans. Uh, he becomes a, a Raquel Welch, and uh, oh, interesting. It, well, it's a dated movie, and uh, it's just really hard to sit through. And John Huston falls for her. The director plays hmm. uh, a, a Hollywood director. Now, we saw Raquel Welsh in A House Is Not a Home. 
Oh, yeah, the prostitution fight, the brothel movie. I like that movie. And that was pre her fame. You know, she was not a known star. No, people were coming to see Shelly Winters. They weren't coming to see Raquel Welch. Right. Point. Yeah. Oh, finally, we're out, wow. out of the town. I like when the movie gets out of the town, you know? It usually, it's just a grind in there. Well, I would like if it got out of the pound and it was real. Hashtag. Now, what we're doing now is singing by the light of the silvery moon. And that's what this whole scene is going to be. It makes no sense and has no purpose. Look, they're all dressed like Canadian Mounties or something. I like their social media campaign. Hashtag pound. It made no sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was two yeah. Was it Carl? When you you said you've seen this four or five times, like after the first time, did it? I, obviously, it doesn't yeah. make sense even even as you're describing it, just how that jumps around. But did it? Um, yes. Did so you have to see it twice till you understood? Like, oh, oh, okay, I see here that that now they've right. gone out and they're not dogs or they're dogs here. Exactly. Like, I mean, it, I can't imagine just one time going through this and understanding what they're they're attempting. Even there's confusion as you watch it, and the subtitles unfortunately are in Hebrew, so that doesn't help. And, and there's no uh, vowels. There's no vowels under the letters, so I can't read it. That's right. Mike knows Hebrew from. Uh, I, can, it, I know my it's olive, bet, gimel, hay, June, July, August, Ooh. September. I know. I know that. I knew eleven thirty-two. That's the first thing I knew. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I get lost in translation that one. I actually watched. Uh, I, I I went to the end of this video just to see what was on it, and it is an Israeli uh, MGM network, and they have advertisements. Oh, okay. So they actually have a advertisement for a movie channel, and they play like a version, not like a virgin, virgin, a version of like a virgin. Uh, it's covered by someone else, and there's this woman in romantic, like this guy dressed up as a knight, sits down at a dinner table, and it's like very romantic, and then it plays like a virgin. And it's for like hot HD movies. So I don't know if it's like <laughs> lifetime romance movies or just straight up porn. <laughs> I don't think Israel shows porn. I could be wrong about that. Okay. I'm not going. I need okay, to know what country show full on porn. I'm not going to go halfway around the world to look at something digitized. <laughs> if you're not going halfway around the world if they don't have porn? Yeah, like if it's digitized, I don't want to see that. Yeah. Um, okay, I've been in Israel three times. Uh, you've been there never, Mike? You're Jewish. I'm not even Jewish. Yeah, well, you went for me. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Okay. In 2005, Robert Downey Sr. discovered a print of this film in the cameraman's ex-wife's closet. The print was in such bad shape that it was impossible to run through a picture. Okay, I kind of told you this stuff. Um, yeah. It appeared in the next year in Philadelphia Film Festival, 2006. Um, okay, the film disappeared. That is to say, they took the film to the studio. Um, they screened it for the head of the studio, and he thought it was going to be animated. He thought I thought this was going to be an animated film. And so it was on a double bill with a Fellini movie called Satricon. Yes, uh, Satiricon satiricon i was in heaven but the studio was ashamed of it it was rated x for language the same studio had bought midnight count cowboy 
a couple minutes later. So this thing disappeared. So this hardly had any any showing at the box office. Yeah, but it's fodder for this cable network in Israel. Mm-hmm. This is Kermit's first appearance on screen there too. <laughs> he looked very Kermit. Yeah, he was at the bar. He was. He didn't realize the camera was on. You don't. Yeah, they they usually don't let him appear in bar scenes for the kids, but. <laughs> Henson's under there, like doing upskirts. <laughs> okay, so in a different interview, the interviewer says, "What possessed you to get into filmmaking?" And this jerk, Robert Downey Senior, <laughs> says, "I'd rather do that than work." <laughs> it shows, man. Uh, you well, know that that probably explains the real Hollywood calling. Yeah, uh, didn't want right? to work. Yeah. That it, that it seemed a little too much. I got That's out true. of the army and stayed with my sister in the village for a while. She said to me, a couple blocks around that corner, there's a thing called Three Penny Opera. You might like it. Give you something to do. I went over and, whoa, somebody could do this? This got me interested in doing theater. Then I was working at the village gate as a waiter. I know that place. Yeah. One of my cohorts there said, you're writing? When you get me something, let me know. I've got a camera. We'll make a movie. You'll be the director and I'll be the cameraman. This guy, like, just fell into. Jeez. Yeah. Well, charm life. You know, I, I'm sure his life was difficult. You know, and a lot of his movies, it was hard for him to get distribution and uh, releases. You know, but he tried. Yeah, well, if you didn't make crap, you would get it released. I gotta I know, say that the look of it is is pretty good, right? Like, yes. Mm-hmm. Like if 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 you if you're not trying to follow a plot or a you know a, a dialogue, the the look of it this looks like a, a, a you know a '70s era film, late yeah. '60s. You know, I think he's a, a director. This is probably one of the better films I've seen, Carl. From him. It has a good. It it looks okay in terms of lighting and framing. Yeah. It it's directed well in that sense. It's cinematography. Yeah, that's what I mean. It it mm-hmm. it doesn't seem where you're like, oh, this looks like a student film or something. Can yeah. I play the Can I play the audio for this scene? Well, if you want to, yes, because when the the um, okay. Oh, I haven't heard from you in ages. Now the serial killer is calling the pound. It doesn't make sense. Talking to him like I just want to hear the guy's voice. Oh, if you want to hear the guy's voice, then later he's going to call up the police chief and have a conversation. Okay. It's better. All right, uh, I'll, I'll cut it up there. Now, Don calls. Don is still going on about how we're going to break out of here. It's existentialism, man. There's no exit. Are the dogs I guess so. Yeah, the dog that is Eric Krumpnik. He was uh born in Georgia, Russia, USSR. Um he was in Putney Swope. I don't know, not much to him. Okay, so now the boxer's getting high for the first time, and so we're gonna have like this once again. We're walking away. Like everyone's gonna get high because he did kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, so they're all high. I guess. And we're going to see dog flashbacks. This guy, he's just any excuse. Look at that. Yeah, dog's doing Wait it. Wait All right, okay. And imagine watching the Fellini movie and be like, oh, there's a double <laughs> feature. I can't wait. 
there is a cat and that's the Asian guy. And there's lots of racism with like, um, you can do my laundry and stuff like that. It's all parody, right? He's sad. Uh, well, she, yeah. Rick Taylor. Know. You know, Rick. it's all parody, right? So it's not like, is this a comedy? I'm not laughing. I don't know, man. They're actors. He's acting. I think he's on a typewriter. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, he's the writer who's always talking about, I need a pencil. So why is he on a typewriter? By yeah. the way, something that's funny, that, that it should be funny, when he gets the pencil, he's like, do you have any paper? Uh, heroin? Uh, okay, cocaine. Yeah, for some reason now, the boxer will have cocaine. I don't, I, it doesn't make any sense. Wow, that's rude. When someone offers you cocaine and a knife in the bar, you shouldn't take that much. <laughs> you shouldn't. <laughs> no, how rude. Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, fishnet. Fish, fishnet lens. Uh, Robert Downey I Sr. was in Boogie Nights in 97 as, like, that studio guy. Oh. Uh, um. I guess I was looking at the porn part of that. Yeah. There was like a yeah. Williams uh, uh, fish fish eye camera before. So this is where the movie goes wild. Things have just gone crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait for them to get gassed, I guess. Yeah, you start rooting for it, right? Well, you got a long wait. I mean, this film just drags. I mean, we still have 40 minutes. Hey, huh. honey bear. Yeah, I guess you're right. That's good, Carl. We're getting into the third act. <laughs> yeah, right. There is no... You know how I, like, tell you the acts and the, you know, yeah. part of the film this is according to a Hollywood script. No, there's none yeah. of that here. Nah. <laughs> All right, let me tell you more interesting stuff. Uh, Who's this? This is uh, 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 Stephanie Downey Jr. Was that who's a little girl? Uh, there yeah, is right. a little girl who will be an angel in this. Did you just see her now? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that is. I saw the Angel of Death too. It wasn't just me. <laughs> Lucky. Well, later there'll be one of those segments in which we're out of here, and there is an angel. I, I, it is, it is, um, let's see, where is she? When, when do we get to the farm? When is the scene where they all get to the farm? Is that at the end? Like a big farm? Grandma will be there? <laughs> Tell you out. <laughs> I don't know. Now, when the angel is leading them, there's a farm, maybe. They're in the wild. They're in the, I don't know the answer, Mike. I'm sorry. Well, don't you tell your dog, like, okay, we're going to yeah. go on a ride and there's going to be a big farm? Like, you tell your kids, oh, like, you don't, yeah, yeah, he's on the farm. Yeah. Okay, it's Allison Downey, and she plays Angel. Oh. Now, she was, is, um, she's a little bit older than us. She, she's done a lot of things. Uh, she's worked on videos. She did costuming. She had companies in which they had, um, they like managed stars. Uh, one time she was in trouble with cocaine and moved out to California to get saved and live with their brother for a while. Um, she's in Manhattan currently. Uh, so that is his sister, huh? 
Yeah, and it's all off the top of my head because in my research, I read about her, but I didn't write it down. She's hardly in the thing. Right. I know we were uh, talking about the young girl through it, but uh, the pantomime from the uh, the fat Jewish guy of the uh, of getting the blowjob there was yeah. That was a 1970s blowjob. That's OG yeah. right there. That was your parents' blowjobs. <laughs> Is this pre 99 cent beauty pageant? What's the. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> oh, yeah. What was that? It was a dollar 98. $1.98. Yeah. What's you this, win uh... the prize. You look great. Yeah. You win the prize at a dollar 98. That was a great. I don't know if it was a great show, but that was a great. <laughs> Yeah. right yeah he was he was fun what i can't think of his name i'm sorry i can't it's torn rip rip torn taylor rip taylor yep. and we saw him in that vagina movie mike uh yeah steve i don't know if you want the Maison movie club to do this film it's called chatterbox it is on chatterbox? amazon prime it's yeah. a woman who sings through her vagina talks so they she, oh. she she performs musical numbers they she sings Virginia. Okay, Mike, uh, turn yeah. up your uh, volume because you will hear him talk to the serial killer. And he thinks he's African-American because he's the honky killer. Yeah. Okay, is the cops? This is the man you're looking for. This is a honky killer. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> What's new? How's tricks? Is there anything I can do for you? Listen, I've got another call. Could you hold on for a minute? I don't have a minute and you don't either. I'm sorry, but I do have another call. It better be your insurance, man, honky, because you're next. Oh, hey, brother. My name's Brian Traub, but I'm cool, baby. I graduated from Grambling. In 57, I scored two touchdowns against Morgan State. Laminate your scrapbook, motherfucker, because you're dead. <laughs> we lost them. Well. All right, laminate your scrapbook, motherfucker, because you're dead. He goes, at least we know he's a brother. He isn't. It's a white guy doing a black voice. Yeah, but but yeah. he's fooled the cop. And I gotta um, say that that scene there was was pretty good. Like the yeah, yeah. it was kind of funny. It yeah. made some sense. It, the the you know the different voices and even the editing back and forth between the calls was good. Like yeah, it went lucid all of a sudden. Yeah, what happened? It went mainstream. Well, I guess because we're in the real world and he's taking a real life call. Yeah. Uh, now, this guy's name is L, L. Earl J. He's playing Lieutenant Weintraub. And the only thing interesting is he's known for a f TV series called Hawk. This was 1966. Hawk was a TV series starring Burt Reynolds. Hmm. Crime-busting techniques of Native American detective John Hawk of the oh. New York City Attorney's Office. Turn off. I'd rather watch Way Out with Ron Dahl. <laughs> <laughs> His name is, Burt Reynolds' name is Hawk because he's a... Uh, uh, oh. Native American. Native American. I was an African-American. You know, same difference at that point. It's still Burt Reynolds. And he is, right? Is that right, Burt Reynolds? Is he part Seminole, I think, or something? Is he? I think so. Huh. All right. I think in a couple movies, yeah, he 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 leaned into, you know, some uh, Native American heritage, he claimed. I remember reading some stuff on that. Now, he also who's seduced... this guy? Uh, 
Huggy Bear's uh, connection? It's way late in the movie to have another dog show up. It's a town, Carl. Elliot Gould? <laughs> it does look like him, right? Yeah. Is it Inspector Gadget from the 70s? <laughs> the, whole, the whole MASH MASH team is coming in. I'm here for season four of MASH, episode eight. <laughs> Uh-oh. You got pounded. Get out. Can't get out. He's a cat in the pound? Yeah, he's a cat, and he's going to talk. I mean, this Carolyn, she's kissing everybody. Oh, cats and dogs. This is pretty good. She goes, why do you like me? He goes, I do not have taste. And he, she goes, I love it, and kisses him. <laughs> oh, there we go. I just so, find it creepy that she's going to die so soon. Hey, I like that when they go into German, the, the Hebrew disappears. Yeah, right. <laughs> Pass. Supporting it. Disregard whatever they're saying and... Are they singing now? Oh, no. Just doing a little Hebrew here. Carl, you're reading it left to right. You have to read it right to left. Okay. Oh, it says, if Lechet. There you go. I love his tap dancing story, and I hate his I went crazy for 15 years because of stress. There's more story there. But she's singing, like, all black magic to him, and he's just looking at it like, complete contempt and he doesn't move at all so you got a dancer and you yeah have and he's purposely not dancing well he hasn't danced really in 15 years and then you remember his grueling schedule i know this is nuts let me touch your head please it's good it was warm thank you stupid <laughs> That's what I mean. When it's and again, obviously, the idea of it is to be a, a bit avant-garde and crazy. But when the, the, those those lucid ones, where there's some type of thing, it almost feels like uh, like a, a early John Landis, like you know, yeah. yeah. movie or, or you know, schlock and that kind of stuff. Now, look, she just tried to gas the dogs, but the gas isn't working, so she's going to call Come on, Edison. <laughs> oh, there's a joke. And ding, then she's going to be like, Wednesday. That's three days from now. <laughs> You need the lethal gas now. It's good parody. Mm. I do have this interesting story about a movie they made called Chafed Elbows in which they like invaded Yankee Stadium. Um, no, it's called it's called Balls Bluff, and it was a short. Um, and it was Downey Jr., a senior? Yeah, okay, let me read this to you. In one of your films, you played a Confederate soldier who wanders into the middle of the field at Yankee Stadium during the game. Was that tough? He goes, oh, yeah, the actor we originally had refused to go on the field. He was too scared. We were stealing the shot. We had two cameramen, one behind home plate, <laughs> one on the right field line, and I was terrified, too. They took me downstairs. They said, if you had gone near Mickey Mantle, we, you could have been shot. You probably couldn't do something like that today. If I had to do it all over again, I would, even though I know it's really dangerous now. But I did really say to the guy on first base, where are the Yankees? That line actually wound up in the newspaper article about the incident, which we put in the film. So I don't know. That's kind of interesting. They, uh, that's very interesting. Yeah, I would love to see that footage. That sounds pretty cool. 
they guerrilla guerrilla huh. warfare to film. So I don't think that joke. How small were the cameras at this point that they could get the into you know? Well, when he says he's behind home plate, I bet you he means in the seats. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And also that probably cost him a pretty penny. Um, now it was a short called Balls Bluff, so therefore. It probably wasn't backed by a studio. Okay, here's another reason I hate this film. They've all escaped. Did you right. see that? They've yeah. all been let out. So that makes you think that this film is going somewhere. Right. But what's going to happen is you're going to get your, you're going to get dashed because it never happened. They're back in the pound. Look, they're all free roaming the streets and they're loving it. Yeah, like you said, it seems like we're making progress here. Right. Now we're getting a plot. I, I like it. I still, I still vouch for this movie. He's showing all possibilities. He's showing them escaping. And then, you know, ultimately, there's no escape. They die. Okay. <laughs> there is some confusion. So there's those little touches. Uh, the great shot in New York. Wow. Yeah, um, the Empire State Building. The uh, of just the, the, like that, where they all of a sudden these dogs interact with people. Were those all other dogs, or are those people that they're you know? Out hey, with? good question. Those no, must we never, be we other never people. Get, yeah, we never get. I was saying to Mike, I think it might have been you when you were getting your dog, Carl. Like it might have paid off to not that I want to see all these people nude, but <laughs> the dogs aren't wearing clothes. Like, let us know like how we could tell the difference between a person and a dog here. Nude like, would work. Nude, you know, or yeah, because they're not wearing it, or a, a collar on all the dogs, or something. Yeah, like this yeah. guy here. I thought he was a dog in the beginning. Right, exactly. <laughs> He's got a leash, right? Hanging on. Yeah. Here's Stanley again, and as you know, he was looking for his dog Rodney. So he's going to go in there, and he's going to go Rodney, and he's found Rodney. But he's going to go. Wait a minute, you're not Rodney. And then the boxer's going to be like, "What's the difference?" And he's going to go Rodney. <laughs> It's a little funny and a little dumb. Oh my god! Wait a second. I, I, I is this all going over my head? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, obviously it has, but Rodney is, is the boxer a boxer? Is there are, are these things about the breeds? Y yes. Yes, that's why the Siamese cat is Asian, and that, uh, I, that that one I picked up on, but I didn't pick the boxer up. I'm so I'm an idiot. Uh, okay, the one so who looks me. very Irish with his red hair is an Irish setter. Irish setter. Oh, and there's a German guy too, right? German Shepherd. Uh, let oh, me no, no, it doesn't work. Uh, he is a Dutch hound. Dutch hound. Dutch hound. All right, guys, break it up. I'm playing referee. Break it up. Break it up. Two corners. Girl, a poodle? What's she? Is she? What are we? She's just a female dog. Now look, this is like really creepy. Watch what happens here. <laughs> she asked Downey, Downey Senior for her paycheck. Now look, she was dreaming. Uh, She's not time. getting run over by a car, and they're all back in the pound. She dreamt the dogs escaped. She let the dogs out. Do you see the carbon monoxide that really ended up in that tunnel? It's a strange place to shoot. Yeah. It doesn't look like a real like a dog pound at all. But, but it's no. cool. 
it really looks like the West Village. Like you're not on Bleecker Street. You're like on one of the other parallel streets to it. Um, like you're between West Broadway and Broadway on one of the side streets, like Spring Street or something. So this is like a, a factory on Spring Street? I guess that's why I hesitated when you're like, do you recognize it? Because like I recognize the neighborhood, not the place. It's, I mean, it's from 70, so it's, it's, you know, a lot of it's probably disappeared by the time we were hanging out. Well, the thing is, if you go down to, like, what did I say, Spring Street, you'll see that it's the word cobblestone. You know, the roads are, 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 are kind of brick. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what makes it clearly uh, West Broadway area. What is going on with this film, man? <laughs> they were just out and on the street, and they were free. They were free, buddy. Now, this Ooh, one, he's oh. going to jerk off. Oh, yeah, way to go! Yes, Here's what I think of your wait. script, senior. He's really jerking it. Yep, and yep. Robert Downey Jr.'s mom loves it. And look, yeah, what is the Deutschland? This is called acting. Was this a commercial for Edmonds? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The Mr. cat doesn't get it. He's not for it. Yeah. I don't know. It, it, it was well produced. I thought it was a commercial for a second. <laughs> now, look how... Do you think even though he's Arabic, he really is black? Because look at the hair. I mean, he's still... Yeah, he definitely... I mean, it's there's a... Uh, kind of a, a cross there, right? He's... Yeah, I almost said African American, but if you're not from America, you can't say that. Um, Antonio Fargus. Now, first of all, his name's Antonio, so that's kind of a Western yeah, name. Right. Um, I can't find. Can Maybe can he's born... Does he have an iguana and smoke pot in his apartment? <laughs> <laughs> you know that whole Starsky and Hutch film they didn't do the stars did you guys did you see uh was it called black power fist or something like that is that it, kind of a spoof one is that the yeah they did black, a black, black dynamite. spoof yeah, black, dynamite. black dynamite yeah now yeah. that's what starsky and hutch should have been right they yeah. should have brought us back to that you know uh filmed in 35 millimeter film but yet it's a tv show colors I don't know. Black Dynamite reminds me of like Grindhouse and uh, Turbo Kid, where it's not parody, but it's not homage. It's like this weird gray zone. Like it, yeah. it replicates what it parodies, but it parodies what it replicates. And you don't think it, it was homage? Yeah. No. I think it's beyond homage. I think like they they did it like usually that would be like a parody. It would be a sketch, and they'll make fun of it. But they don't make fun of it. They just keep the the tropes and the look yeah, and the, the vibe. Uh, the, yeah. They kind of amplify it. Yeah. So like, yeah. you're you're embracing it, but also making fun of it, but you're still embracing it. It's strange. Like I, yeah, I think like you exaggerate it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Rather than undercut it for the humor, they almost go over the top with it for the humor. Yeah. 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 And you can't tell if it's a joke or not. Right. Yeah. It's very, yeah. Okay. So here's something about Putney Swope. And, and uh, you know, I'm not recommending that you necessarily see it, uh, Steve, but uh, we sure have been talking about it a lot. Uh, he, 
Senior says this is a film that nobody that nobody wanted. I think there was one distributor left who hadn't seen it. A guy named Rugoff who owned Cinema Five and all these theaters uptown. He said, "I don't understand it, but I like it." He took the film, opened it in about a month. Uh, in about a month, in one of his theaters, Cinema Two, a big deal, and damn right, it sold out. Wow. I went to Temple University in 68 or 9 to show Putney Swope. I had my kid with me. After the screening, the guy comes up in a jacket and tie. Thank you for getting me into advertising. Wow. Yeah, it's a funny movie, and it's a, it's a good take on advertisement. But Well, I mean, the point of it was an African-American was now in charge of a major corporation. And so there was a bunch of stereo. Okay, here is clearly uh, Allison Downey. You see the angel? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Look, they're finally escaping. Through the pearly gates, though, because <laughs> they're going to die. They're going to die or they're dead? I don't know, Michael. I don't see them dead yet. Right, we're going to get to see and watch them is die. The farm? Going to the farm? They're going to yes. die from gas, too. This guy's ne never met a metaphor that doesn't last more than two minutes. <laughs> Good point. We get it. Fuck slower. Yeah. Bad dogs. Bad dogs. There's, now look at the daughter. Now, I guess she didn't want, there must be some story why she's not, I mean, Listen. with a successful brother, I think if she wanted to, she could be in a film or two, you know? Yeah. She had her own life, Carl. Who knows? Not not everyone, you know. Um, Mike, I read about her, and her own life was not very pretty. So, I mean, don't talk like you know. Okay, see all the gas? Yeah. They're getting killed right now. Yay. Yeah. Well, that's the irony, right, is that heaven has its own gate as well, just like just like the pound. You get the gate closed and, behind them. That's right. And the movie Escape bankrupt uh, Universal's uh, art, no MGM, and they had a merge with UA. That's right. Yeah. Now the thing is, it sucks that they're dying, but at least the movie's going somewhere, making we progress. Knew, we knew they were going to get killed. That's the whole point of this movie. Mm hmm. Well, he has four arms, <laughs> like that Hindu god. Oh, it's a trick. Yeah, shut up. This guy doesn't die. This guy dies laughing. Last, how ironic. The guy doesn't shut up yet. Listen, you know. Right. <laughs> I would hope maybe he would die before me, but no. Oh, so you could have a moment of quiet? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but no. Keep going. That's the penguin on the floor. Uh, March of Death. Why a penguin? Get a tuxedo? Yes. Now, um, at least Downey is checking his pulse and making sure he's dead. I don't know. I guess she has concern. And he's... Nice oh, Again, this did, is she, did she act in a lot? Mrs. Mrs. Downey? Yep. And she was in all of his stuff. All the stuff, all his stuff. Anything else like after they split or anything? 
After they split, I would doubt it. Let me just look at his list just, here. Yeah, kind of. So, he wasn't in Up the Academy. Um, maybe, okay, 1972 Greaser's Palace. That was the last thing she was in. They were divorced in the 80s. In 85, 86, he actually directed three episodes of TV's The Twilight Zone. Oh. And, um... Who was the, the host of the 80s one? They just had an anonymous voice. Was it Burgess Meredith? Burgess Meredith was I, on the movie. It's a great question. I do not know. I like the 80s Twilight Zones. There was Wes Craven directed a bunch of them. Joe Dante. Yeah, yeah. That's one of them. The music's not bad in this either. Very. Yeah. Oh, so this is their good to goodbye party, right? I, or. I don't know. It sort of looks like they, somebody had a party any old way. <laughs> so ice, ice sculptures. Oh, there's uh, Robert. Nope. No? No. Different uh, floppy-haired boy? None of these act. Well, Robert's five, and he's really distinct looking. It's, it's just not him. None of the actors in the film are in this scene. I don't know why it's here. Oh, really? It's an ice bar. Ice carvings and cold temperatures. I thought that guy over there, that was that... that he looked kid. like the penguin, right? Yeah, that, but that's not him. So maybe uh, he's... I don't know the answer. I just never noticed him until... Yeah. And he was the very last second of that right. statement. yeah. Ooh, Pound of Flesh. That would be another porn title. Uh, good one. Mm, nice. It took me 40 minutes, but I'm glad. Oh. Now, this keeper, her name's Carolyn Cardwell, and she's only known for Putney, Swope, and Pound. I can't believe she's trying to teach her a new trick. Well, no. She's going to now give birth to a penguin. And the the... The Deutschhound there obviously is not the father. She must have slept with the penguin. Oh, like Catwoman. I guess yes. <laughs> he, she slept with the penguin too. <laughs> I thought she was about to die. Does have a little '60s Batman feel, right? Like she could be, yeah, she could be a villain. Like, congratulations! It's a penguin dog. <laughs> He's given birth now. I don't know what's going on because everyone died, so they didn't die. See what I mean? They didn't die. Yeah. Sometimes the gas just uh, encourages birth versus is, killing. You saying she died before she gave birth? That's I don't worse. know. But that's the thing about the movie. Are we out of order in a chronological sense, or or they made it, or? Or Robert didn't care. There you go. Look. It's a oh, there it is. Taxidermy penguin. It's the penguin from my desk in my house. <laughs> I brought it to the set. I didn't know they were born so so fully grown and and so stiff. Yeah, that's for a penguin book, not a penguin. Pippin, what is it? Right, there's South Pole and North Pole and. 
One of them's like a puffin. Puffin is that what it's called? Oh, at the opposite end. Yeah. I never saw the documentary. Now look, here's Carolyn. So she's alive. They're all alive now. Oh yeah. I heard penguin have happy feet. <laughs> For marching. Just hanging around. When is this film gonna end? As if I didn't know. Dog day afternoon. Let's listen. What's going on? Because I think I'm out of stories right, to tell I'm you about this Robert Downey Jr. Senior. Okay, I'll be done. Carl, do you know anything about their their marriage? Like how they met? Uh, uh, the husband and wife. Down? No, the no, I don't. But I do know that his last name is not really Downey. That was his oh. stepfather's name. Oh, uh, yeah, he he That's took interesting. it. When he went into the army, he changed his name to his stepfather. His um, original last name was Anthony Hall. It's strange. <laughs> um, it's Elias. Downey was born in New York City, New York, New York. He's the son of Elizabeth McLaughlin. It's not McLaughlin, but it's close. A model. And Robert Elias, who worked in a hotel restaurant management. He took the surname of his stepfather, James Downey, when enlisting in the Army. Oh, wow. It's okay. It's just a baby Ruth. Oh, here's the old piano player in the abandoned pool routine. Yeah. Now, now the, the honky killer is going to see his wife in the corner. And the wife says, if you don't sleep with me tonight, then I'm telling the authorities about you. So he decides that he will kill her because of that. And then uh, the piano player prevents him. It doesn't make any sense. What does this have to do with anything? Mike, say this movie's bad. I dare you. With piano, the piano player has a good line, though. He says that she might be your wife, but she's my lady or something like that. That's right. He does. Now, you saw this film, Mike. That is what he You said. know what? It's an hour and a half into this film. I've been meaning to see this movie all my life. Here we go. That's the line. She may be your wife, but she's my Whoa. woman. I've been waiting to see this movie for a long since I read about it in Playboy magazine in the eighties, and then yeah, I realized I don't know that Steve that this show is all based upon the fact that YouTube. Mike used to read periodicals about movies, and he would never see them, but he would learn yeah. all about them. Yeah, and now we can see them all. We're talking about like real shitty movies, like this movie or stuff yeah. that you. The only way you can see it is by reading some guy's version of it. You would come across it. That's impressive, right? You'd have to go down to the Zigfield for an 11 o'clock showing on a Wednesday if you want. You had to go to a, a, a flea market and buy it on video cassette if you're like, right. Yeah. But it's all on YouTube. And uh, I figured for a movie show, we might as well make it talk over it. You know, movie shows sometimes, your show doesn't see, but I feel like some movie shows, they last longer than the movie itself. So we might as well watch the movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And it's appropriation. We're we're remixing existing content for our own yes, uh, product. As, as you should. This this is the best thing that's happened to this film in a long time. <laughs> now he is okay. There goes the gas. Yes. It's kind of disturbing. As a Jew, as a Jew, I'm going to say this is disturbing. <laughs> they showed this on Israeli television. How cruel! Touchy, touchy, touchy. They might have just purchased a film and. 
And the guy who made the subtitles, he must have known. I don't think anyone watched this ever. You know, they, they probably show it twice a day. Now, why is the gas near the keeper? She fucked up. Talk to Con Ed about that. Oh, okay. I was always, what about the baby penguin? Is it going to get gas too? Well, see, that's the thing. Didn't we already see this? Didn't they already die? Didn't they go all through the pearly gates? Now we're seeing it again. It it doesn't, it's... Yeah. Oh, I am acting. And also <laughs> choking on real smoke. <laughs> They were method actors, but not by choice for this scene. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, cool. What's on TV? It's closed circuit. Yeah. <laughs> it's outside the door of the pound. State of the art, 1970. Okay. I want you to stay still and pretend you're dead. Keep your eyes open. Go. Okay. We're going to do some yoga. We're going to start with some down dog poses. Elise was breathing. Oh, rabies. Personal touch. Breathing, breathing. Where are those hands? Here was a, what are we looking at? Oh, balls. Nice. Someone else's balls. To be fair, I saw, I don't know, have you guys been to, uh, to uh, have you ever or had the chance to go to uh, Mount Vesuvius over in Italy? No, I would like to go there for Pompeii. Yes. So that's where I was going with this. There actually is a, you know, because there, there's a lot of um, yes. remains caught in like, the, you know, a, like a, a shell of, of lava kind of thing that they have. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, these bodies. And one of them looks, there's two or three of them look like they were masturbating when they, they went. You know, to the... It's really fascinating because you're getting to really see like a time machine. Yeah. That's exactly the snapshot of their death. And you see the whole preserved Roman city. It's true. It's, it's one of my bucket list items. Yeah, yeah. Definitely highly recommend. Oh, this is the Hey. Is this... Is this the metaphorical boat, the river sticks? Are they now in purgatory? Oh, this is I, no, I couldn't tell you. Ooh, classy. The end credits show the uh, cast with their picture, so I could know who Carol Carnival is. Wow. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we had just watched Hound from 1970. Oh. Steve Maison, it's man, you are probably the best guest we've had. You got it. What'd you think of this movie? I, 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 like I said, it, it became very clearly, even, even with Carl's help, um, I, I feel like I would have to watch it twice as many times as he is. So like 15 to even understand it as well as he has. It, it was just so all over the place. And again, I, I get that that's the point, that, but it, 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 it's weird. Instead of being one kind of thing interspersed with some awkward or weird avant-garde stuff, it really is just crazy. I, I was thrown off by the parts that some, suddenly are lucid and make sense. Right, you they're welcome when you see them. Yeah, yeah, it does, and and I guess that's part of it—the reaction that yeah, it brings you back, thinks you're you're on a normal setting, and then yeah, throws you right back into crazy stuff. But uh, like I said, I, I, even this, like this, this looks—if you just showed me this clip, I'd be like, oh, what's this? This looks like probably it was a good movie in the '60s or something. <laughs> yeah, it looks looks right, right? 
Yeah, no, this guy knows how to set up a shot and, and shoot it, execute it. That was a, but, that was stolen for uh, the first uh, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre there, the closing of that door. Well, you know, we saw, right, we saw eggshells, right, Mike? The, the, we saw the a film he yeah. made before Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It was another hippie film. That one was much better than this one, right, Mike? Yeah, so Toby Toby Hooper Toby, uh, made Eggshells, which is like a hippie commune comedy. Yeah. And uh, never went anywhere. Carl did a lot of research, and basically it was it just played film uh, students' uh, festivals. Yeah, it played and, at uh, colleges. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And these, these credits are wacky. They're I love Funhouse from Toby Hooper. That That's was, a great yeah. movie. Yeah. That scared the shit out of me. That movie. scared the crap out of me, yeah. Yeah, I like that film. I actually thought about that a lot. So what do you think of this film, Mike? I have to say I liked it. Uh, I, you know, and I, I've been meaning to see this movie for a while, so I did watch it uh, beforehand, partially because, you know, with a guest, you know, sometimes it helps if I see it beforehand so we can talk about it. But mm -hmm. I, it's interesting that the plot itself, it's very experimental, meaning there's no, either they're going to talk about dying or they're going to die. And uh, all the other stuff is a little weird. But, yeah, I like Lucidity. I think this is one of his better shot, better produced films. Uh, yeah. So I, I would recommend it. You know, no one's going to watch it anyway. It's not like, oh, boy, I can't wait to watch <laughs> West uh, Village Hippies uh, pretend they're dogs. Prince. Okay, wow. my turn. My turn. Yes, Carl. What you think? I hated this film. It was terrible. This film made me like Greaser's Palace. Okay, yes, it was shot well. Okay, that's true. That's technical. I mean, this is supposed to be entertainment, and I'm yeah. waiting for the film to end. <laughs> My two cents. Well, there you go. Well, thank Robert you, Robert. It was funny at the end credits there. Robert Downey didn't. He didn't get a little photo, did he? At the end? No, you're no, right. He's, he didn't. He's listed as Bob Downey, uh, next right below Allison Downey's credit. <laughs> on this morning cast well you know i would like to keep this uh video running so we could look at some of the uh israeli mgm promos maybe we could get to that that sexy video we could we could cue it and end it but uh i'm excited we do the show every week we're on mutiny radio every sunday and then our podcast drops sunday night l-w-a-f-l-m-o-y-t carl next week's movie oh it is a killer we're going to be watching 1979 Killer Fish. One word, Killer Fish. Mm. One word, trailer, killer, F-I-S-H, one well, word. Yeah, you know, actually, because we, um, I, I want this MGM video to keep playing, and I didn't really look for a trailer. Oh. We're just going to have to make up the trailer. I don't know, Steve Maison, would you care to give us the trailer to no, Killer Fish? No, there's one, there's one. It's 19. Oh, there is? Yeah. You want to right. see one of your trailers? Mike uh, does this funny thing in which he goes, in a world with... And then yes. <laughs> okay, here we go. Dun. New Dimension Films presents... Dun -dun. Hey, I got bagels. Oh, we love bagels. Did you get cream cheese? Did I get cream cheese? Not only did I get cream cheese, but I got this lox. Man, it is some killer oh, fish. <laughs> oh, it's wow, really... Lee Majors. Margot Hemingway. This is great. And then, I don't know if you guys have the uh, closed captioning on this, but it's Israeli, and then the closed captioning gives you the English version. So without her beautiful food alone, Blue Canyon usually they receive civilian organic international from my plane today. It's not like a little friendly morality. It's just a metaphor of liquid carefully. This is a, 
auto-generated American uh, English subtitles for uh, Hebrew. Liquid Carefully has mathematically the Filter Stevenson. Can I do a uh, trailer for Killerfish? Yes, please, Steve. You remember him from The Godfather. You remember him from Barney Miller. But this time, he's an assassin. (laughs) Abe Vigoda is Killerfish. Rated R. (laughs) Yay, Killerfish. I love it. Very nice. This is foster children not admitted without a parent. <laughs> Remember, Mike, you do you ever recommended movie yeah. because there's ads. Do you ever recommended channel? Oh, here it is. I, I, I got to play this. By the way, it says I'm the Negro of the wilderness. Sometimes I made. So this this knight sits down and gives a rose and he eats food and uh, she's in love with him and they go out. It's an ad for a porno station, I promise you. Wow. So weird, but that, yeah, that alternate version of Like a Virgin. I know, I've never seen Like a Virgin as an advertisement. <laughs> Axe Body Spray, Like a Virgin. <laughs> I did hear like a version playing at McDonald's in the eighties. I don't know if that counts. She's got a rose. Virgin? You're talking about Madonna's song? Yeah. Hot VOD movies. Okay. Hot VOD as in body? As in video on demand. Okay. Hot. But that I'm sure that was like a porn oh, advertisement. VOD. Video on demand. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Hot yeah. VOD movies. Okay. Next time you visit Israel, make sure you check out uh, Hot VOD on demand. Well, all right. Well, cool. We've heard uh, two trailers for Killer Fish already. Carl, do you have a Killer Fish or are we done? I, I do not have a Killer Fish trailer. And I'm also trying to find it for next week. You know, I got to start watching it. Uh, it's I'll out there. One, one word. The reason You know the reason why I picked this movie. Lee Majors? No, it would. Yeah, I think Lee Majors is in it. Yeah, it was. It was released the same day as uh, Star Trek: The Motion Picture. Oh, what are you going to go see? Hmm. <laughs> uh, we also Star Trek sold out, but Killer Fish wow. is playing in cinema too. Killer Fish has a fantastic movie poster. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it does. Doesn't look like Jaws at all. No, or Piranha. Great, yeah. Who's yeah. who still made those movies in 1970? It's crazy. All right, well, that is our film. Steve Maison, thank you so much. Hey, thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. It was a, it was a blast. I hope to, I hope to be invited back. Uh, that was great. I hope yeah. you guys will come and talk movies with me on the Maison Movie Club. And, yeah, I, thanks for having me. Let thank us know when so Killer much. Fish hits. We'll, we'll do a tie-in. Deal. Yeah. So Maison <laughs> Movie Club, it's really good. Uh, check it out. And if you're on Facebook, you can join in and give your comments and do the porn titles uh, as well as Instagram twitter i'm just yeah yeah please yeah Sid, find me steve mazan m-a-z-a-n on any of those platforms and i announce the film and i would love your thoughts yeah yeah and it is a corporate uh professional performance so it does not his time here does not reflect his act when you hire him for a professional. <laughs> that's right yeah yes. i adjust adjust for the venue Perfect. Well, very cool and uh carl would you like to promote my movie on amazon prime the thieves code 
yeah, the thieves code, and you uh, very good in it. You get really mad. Now look, watch it on Amazon Prime, but you got to watch it all the way to the end. You got to let the just walk out of the room after Mike's part and let the credits roll. That's very sweet. I'm on. I'm in like fifty second minute of the movie, so forty second minute. Nice. So you just fast forward to forty two. Uh, Tony Sparks is in the movie. He plays a bartender named Tony Star uh, Sparks. Yeah. Oh, nice. That's horrible. He is horrible. He is horrible in that film. <laughs> I don't have anything, to, you know, just let's Obviously. be honest. It was terrible. He did a terrible job. I like the rest of the film, and I liked your performance, too. All right. Well, hey, you know, you said it, not me. So uh, <laughs> the godfather of uh, uh, San Francisco comedy. Mm. Has some criticism. Has some critics, I guess. But yeah, you have yeah. to check out the movie to see it. Thank you, everyone. All right. Well, that's it. Uh, Carl, uh, check out Carl at Scotty's in Scottsdale. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> now, it's Scotty's Pub and Comedy Cove every weekend I'm hosting. But just go to carlsucks.com. But don't worry about me. Worry about Mike. Worry about seeing The Thieves Code on Amazon Prime. All right, yeah. Steve, Carl, that's been our show, audience. Thank Thanks, you guys, guys so much. Thank you, Lou. Thank you, Pam Benjamin. See you next week. Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman. Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman.
address, I'll send you something. What do you mean? Uh, so this a bottle of whiskey or something. Oh, so nothing, nothing exciting happened. Like, did Trump leave no, this morning? No, or Joe hair needed to have gel on it, and there uh, was a there was a poet girl. Her name was Amanda Gorman, and she looked like she was twelve, but apparently she's at Harvard. She's in she's the new poet laureate. Wow. And of the um, nation, of the nation, and she's like yeah, a child. Yeah, she's young. She's a child. She looks like she's young. Yeah, but still, what what is it? What kind of what does a twenty year old have to write poetry about? Oh, my boyfriend broke my heart. Oh, I'm so sad. Oh, really? Like what? What deep? What deep prophetic? What deep amazing thoughts is this twenty year old having that she gets to be the poet laureate of the United States? Sorry. We're twenty two when they wrote Satisfaction, and it still kind of rings true today. So. But I mean, it was a lot of platitudes. But like, honestly, who who's gonna make the poet laureate? Who's a good like a controversial poet i don't know well they had maya angelou one year um she's like maya angelou read at the clinton inauguration yeah Um, yeah it was a while while ago but i yeah she was i mean it was just and i think charles simich was poet laureate for a while but i need to check that and bob haas was too he's not necessarily controversial that's pretty cool who else was? It was Bob Haas and then, well, I mean, it's Robert like, Pinkney, maybe. Um, was that guy? Um, what's his name? Um, Quincy Troop was for a minute. Was uh, Mark Doty ever, or is he just a T.S. Eliot Prize winner? Um, Robert Lowell, Elizabeth Bishop was apparently. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've never, I've never seen the um, American Sign Language on the side of an inauguration before. I don't think I've ever seen an inauguration. Oh, Robert Pinsky was, yeah. Charles Wright, Tracy K. Smith, and Joy Hario. Oh, Joy Hario, yeah. He was the last one. You know what, though? If you make a 22-year-old... If you make a 22-year-old poet laureate, where do they have to go with their career in poetry? I mean, uh, there's only down. You can never... That's a great... No, she could be like, um, you know, she could do whatever. After yeah, that. but... Like... Uh, but that's like the that's like the height of that's the height of poetry, is it not? Like wh- where else? And and what if, if you're like, you know what I don't know. I just feel like if you if you tell people when they're young that they're amazing, they have nowhere to go, and then they get depressed when like they they aren't celebrated their whole life. If 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 she's thirty two <laughs> and she hasn't done anything since being poet laureate, you know, in the future, it's gonna. I don't know. Wouldn't that? I don't know. Just too much, too much acknowledgement when you're young, kind of makes being old difficult if you don't continue to accomplish at the same rate of amazingness. Going back to what you were saying about uh, last week about the kind of reality "fake it till you make it" culture that we live in. Yeah. Like the other thing is, people don't. You know, like back when we were little. Like people were famous and then they weren't famous and they stayed not famous. But like nowadays, the fact that you were famous once means that you can continually dip into the fame stream 
and sh- or shake you know shake it so that you're back on television for whatever reason huh. like we wouldn't have a Corey Haim or a Dana Plato these days because they wouldn't be sitting in a trailer all worried about how they were like you're saying like right. how they were once on the top of the hill and now they're in a trailer and like get, getting all dissatisfied with themselves because they wouldn't ever have to be dissatisfied with themselves they'd go on an infomercial they'd you know like sponsor sure. some sort of product they write a book they go to harvard and based on the fact that they were famous you know Look, they're mean? wearing like, masks that's good people are so much more used to handling like a lifelong level of fame now i think because of the fact that people don't disappear from the public consciousness you know what i mean sure so, and i don't know it used to seem very cruel, didn't it? Like when you contemplate Corey Haim or Dana Plato or whoever, like, or Scott Baio. Like, look what Scott Baio's trying to do very unsuccessfully, right? Yeah. I mean, like, he's one of the people that was at that cusp of, like, you know, it used to seem very cruel to, like, discard these people. But I almost feel like it's cruel also to continue to think that they're interesting or insist that they're interesting. And it's cruel to everybody else, I feel like, too. Like, right. Like there's that whole Hessian notion of like, oh, my brow is touched by God. And that's why people tend to start thinking that there's something, there is truly something special about them that separates them from everybody else. You know what I mean? So, and that's a dangerous road to go down. I don't know. That's why I was, because I was thinking, I mean, I have thought a lot of, like you expressed a lot of things I've been thinking last week about the reality, fake it till you make it culture. Yeah. And I've been thinking a lot about it. Like, yeah. Because it's, it's really, it's like, it's, there's a democratization about the idea that everybody's in, like what you were saying, everybody's interesting if you chunk your life together for 24 hours or whatever, or cut it into an hour and yeah. you were followed around. But there was a democratizing or a democratizing notion about the, the idea that average people are also interesting right or but i know i feel like it's i don't know i feel like it's gotten out of whack right. a little bit you know what I mean? like so anyways well it's just what, it's the taking pictures of your food culture like everybody's interested <laughs> in every moment of my life and i have to show you this is what i'm eating it's like right, there's that too. when yeah. you put your shoes on it's really not that interesting it's it's well, it, i think it depends on the shoes uh, <laughs> Um, Touche. Yes, like, it does. It depends on the shoes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and the thing is, like you were talking about them compressing like the footage that they take in reality shows. My best friend Nathaniel, who might be dropping in, he worked for Survivor for like twelve years. Wow. And they don't fucking. My that's dream not, is to be on Survivor. That's like one of my. <laughs> it's like one that's of the my. That's you get Isn't it? it? That's the way you get like thrown on an island. You yes, get, like, and you and them. and you yeah. get you get voted off if you're not cool enough. I'd get voted off so quickly. No, I wouldn't because I would be, I would collect all the firewood and therefore I would always find an immunity idol, and I'd cook for everybody. So they they wouldn't be able to get rid of me until the end because they need me because I'd be the only one actually working because these kids right. these days they don't know how to work they're like make me famous do everything for me why am I not famous yet and it's like because you've never done anything like yeah but all of the I mean not all but most of the drama 
on Survivor was manufactured. Like they literally fomented conflict. But I mean, it wasn't real. Do you oh, know what I mean? Or I, like, well, I would cry. I can cry on camera. <laughs> I mean, I'm the loose cannon. <sighs> Put me out there, people. I will. I will cry. I will spill the tea. <laughs> some of us are naturally melodramatic. <laughs> I will. I will. I will cry so much. I'm so competitive that if I don't win everything, I'll just break down. I'll be like, I don't have any food. I just want. To. And uh, it'll, I'll make some really good TV for people. It'll be exciting. Finally. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I just thought I really like, I was really like a fan of what you said last week. Yeah. Well, thank you. I was thinking on the way over here about how money is all made up and how we've just, they're just, it's just ones and zeros. And yet some people get more ones and zeros than others. And that all of these people in tech right now are working from home and they're all making money. But all they're doing is keeping the internet alive. All they're doing is keeping Zoom alive. They're not actually doing anything. They're not building anything or creating anything. Money's completely made up. And I was like, okay, so Biden's in. And man, I need some money to keep Mutiny Radio going. And I know all people need money, and but there's no jobs and 50% of people are out of work. So we, do we just start giving it? Are we really going to forgive all these student loans? And where are we going to get this money from? Money doesn't exist but they say it exists so where do we get it from we take it from the rich people and this is the perfect thing the government can do it because what the rich people are going to rise up there's more of us than there are of them take their money there's no reason for people to have 17 yachts there's no reason there's no reason for people to be so scrapped there's no reason for jeff bezos to have baby blood put into his body to stay alive forever jeff bezos what what the fuck do you need man we, the group, need stuff. So I'm so excited. I really hope that Biden actually just takes the rich people's money. Anybody who makes more than a million dollars a year, why? Why do you need that? What the fuck do you need that much money for? There's, I wouldn't even know how to spend. If you gave me, I live off $1,000 a month. If you gave me $5,000 a month, I would have no idea what to buy. I'd just be like, poof. <laughs> like, it wouldn't even. It's really so, horrible how much your spending can increase to fucking match how much money you have it's but well there's um yeah i don't know if they still do this but in the uk um either the financial times i think it's the financial times um used to publish a magazine um that came out I think it was every month something, but it was literally called How to Spend It. <laughs> so, so it was like things, things that you, you, know, you, you've got more money than you imagined you'd have in your life. So what do you do with it? And it was all just like luxury watches. And, you know, I've never read an issue of it, but I'm, you know, it used to exist because they used to like every now and again, a, a journalist you know, doing like a, a column or, or something in a in a in a newspaper would be a bit stuck for what to write about. So they just have a look through an issue of this and go, "Oh, this is what rich people are into at the minute." Wow! Outrage <laughs> column or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember the first job I got at a dot com and being like, and and going down to like urban outfitters right and like this is you know like i mean we had been my boyfriend managed a porn shop on bay street like and i had been unemployed for a long time and i was just like i realized like like i could buy things at urban outfitters and then i realized like oh my god we could actually purchase a new couch 
as opposed to mm. going to the love project and trying to find our furniture. Like it was really, it was a weird thing. And so like you get, I think like, and then the guitars that we bought, like, do you know what I mean? Like, it was just sort of like, but it, I mean, it sort of is, I guess a, it kind of is telling, you know, like what you choose to spend your, this newfound I mean, mm. wealth was a very is a very compared relative term in this fucking context. Yeah. Like, but like it's it was you know it was really weird to sort of have money to buy an Elvis mic, you know, like a like a two hundred dollar Elvis mic for the band. Like, whoa, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Right. But I still I still I be I don't know if it's just because of me or whatever. And I've spent times where I had to steal. Like, remember that salon that you came that i worked yeah, at yeah 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 yeah. you made my hair so pretty yeah i was at that point i was stealing toilet paper from that fucking salon oh yeah because we didn't have much money and like but you know so i've i've spent time being you know i've spent time being broke and i've spent time being but like all my napkins have the starbucks logo i, I don't think i've right, bought yeah. napkins yeah. ever i i can't imagine and I, I think it's I like steal toilet paper. Is, I can't afford toilet paper. You can't get toilet paper with food stamps. What? Pardon? Say that? You can't get toilet paper with food stamps. You can't. The only thing. No, you can't. Uh, food stamps, you can only buy food. So, and, and you can't buy hot food. I can only buy cold food. I can't buy toothpaste. I can't buy deodorant. Jeez. I can't buy floss. I can't buy any like hygiene items with my food stamps. But what I have learned is that I can buy baking soda with my food stamps. And I use that as toothpaste i'm not kidding oh, i totally use baking soda for yeah toothpaste. I, I mean i don't right. i can't I, that's the only that's there we go <laughs> i'm i'm poor <laughs> but yeah, that, that's the thing is i'm not poor i actually feel quite rich i feel like very very lucky that i have hot and cold running water and a place to live and my life is actually quite lovely but it's right. it's my overhead is so low it's so low. And so I get really angry at people time. with high overhead. It's like, why does your overhead have to be so high? You don't have to. And then it's like, are you happier with more of that money and stuff and things? No, I don't think I don't. I can't imagine how much happier one is with the trappings of things. I don't. I don't. Who's happy right now? Anything. COVID's making everyone unhappy because none of us get to hang out with each other. Yeah. So who's fucking happy? I don't know. Like, look at Anthony Bourdain. Oh, I know. Mm -hmm. I don't think that he actually meant to kill himself. I think it might have been an autoerotic asphyxiation kind of situation. And that they didn't want to publicize that because they didn't want to besmirch his name or something. But because I, I can't imagine. I can't imagine yeah. him. He was at he when he died, too. It made me so upset because I'm like, you dude, you're living everyone's dream life, at least right. like people that love to cook and travel like you're living the dream. What? How could anything be bad, man? You just got back from Vietnam. But who knows what personal issues were going on? I watched this. Um, I watched this uh, video of what's his face, the comedian with the hair. The long hair, like a Zen dude now. Blah. Comedian with the hair, yeah, sure, that's good. That's gets us in the right direction. You mean like stand up or like? He was on quiz shows a lot. He was a sex addict. Oh, what the fuck is his name? Ra Russ Russell Brand. 
Oh, Russell. Oh, yeah. Russell Brand. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and he, he has these videos on Facebook and he was like talking about Kanye West and like mental illness and whatever. And he was like, and you know, if you're one of those people who is really jealous of famous people, et cetera, et cetera, just take note because it obviously hasn't helped Kanye Brand very, or Kanye West very much. You know what I mean? Like blah, 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 blah. Is he crazy? But yeah. 